A Business Couch with Dr. Yishai, episode 197. Welcome to The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai. I'm your host, Dr. Yishai Barkadari, psychologist and adaptability coach to entrepreneurs and business leaders. I believe that working on your business is more important than working in your business. If you want to achieve your business goals and dreams without the cost and pain of having to make every mistake yourself, then The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai is the podcast for you. I'm here to help you learn from the lessons of entrepreneurs and business leaders to help you work on yourself and your business so that you can save time, energy, and grow faster. For those of you new to the show, The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai presents three new episodes each week. On Insight Sunday, we dive into the minds of business leaders through insightful guest interviews. On Story Tuesday, we dig deeper with them and learn firsthand from their stories, hard-earned lessons, and experience. On Thrive Thursday, it's just you and me on the couch, where you'll hear scientific research, my thoughts, and tangible tactics to adapt and grow yourself and your business. Grab a proverbial seat and listen up so you can learn from the minds and mistakes of business leaders and apply their wisdom to your life and business. Our Inside Sunday conversation is so packed and full of value that you're getting a double dose this week. In part one, Fabian shared his path of learning and data collecting to develop a more effective and comprehensive model for high performance in leadership and business. In part two, Fabian and I dig deeper into concepts like mental models, handling complexity, considering context, and why high-performing leaders and companies shift their focus from improving current processes to examining what is on the cutting edge of tech and science so they can create the future. Before we dive in, I wanted to share that The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai is brought to you by Adaptability Coaching and Consulting. If you lead a seven-plus-figure business and want to reach the next level for yourself and your business, if you have passions, goals, and dreams, and want to continue to strive as a team, a leader, and a visionary without risking burnout. If you have overcome challenges, developed wisdom, and know that adapting is not just for surviving, but a core part of thriving, then adaptability coaching is for you. With psychology and neuroscience-backed tools, the 3D adaptation framework can show you how to tap into and harness the way our brains are uniquely designed for adaptation. You can learn to harness and leverage adaptability tools and frameworks to grow yourself and your company. You can learn to become fast, flexible, and formidable. You can learn to hone yourself further, to proactively adapt, to thrive, instead of reactively adapting, just to survive. To learn more, go to dryishai.com slash coaching. I always tell the story of my, my grandmother when she bought coffee. For her, the taste of the coffee beans was important. Mm. Today we buy coffee because it has to fit our belief system. If it's mm. not fair trade, some will have a, an issue. They won't buy it anymore. Mm. So we get influenced or we try to understand when you build a mental model, you try to understand 
not only what is tangible and visible, what you can taste, feel, hear, but you try to understand the underlying drivers of people and mm. the underlying drivers of society, because there is where you will make a difference today by addressing those unmet needs or future mm. needs. And they, as one or the next or the next is getting met. And over time, what happens is as businesses, those who are succeeding are meeting those needs, then something else comes up next. Meaning uh, the way our, our kind of, uh, this is for consumers and for users and for customers and clients. And it's also inside of the way that the company, the leadership works. The way that we are is we are able to, once we kind of build a piece of a foundation or a piece of a structure, we can then build on top of it. So whereas in the 70s, many of the pieces that we now have in place for the way that businesses are run and the way in which they've kind of adapted and continue to meet increasing or different needs, in the 70s, they didn't have all of those things. And so they needed to work at where they were at at the time. And once that got built, there was a foundation enough. There's an infrastructure. There were enough businesses who were doing that. Then the next level started to come up for the customers, for the consumers. And that means that for businesses to succeed, they needed to shift into that place or anticipate it. And the next and the next through the 70s, 80s, 90s, and into today. So I have a, a question for you that maybe you want to answer, maybe you don't. Where is next? Once we are and the companies and the businesses are conscientious about the beliefs that the drivers that are the drivers for consumers that are becoming more and more salient, where do you think is the business landscape is going next? What's the next set of changes? Ah, well, interesting. We review context. We redefine context mm. to get even better. Hospitals moved into uh, from hospital to healthcare. It's no longer about helping those who are sick. It's about preventing that people get sick. Mm. So you you redefine the context so you can redefine everything. The services you offer, the products you offer, the roles you play within that context. Playing a mm. role in a hospital is different than playing a role in a healthcare environment. Mm. And the next one will be longevity. If science can get us to the level where we don't get people sick anymore, but we even can make them younger, we won't pay attention to healthcare neither anymore. Just take a pill to get mm. to remain at a good level of health. Mm. So as science evolves by using very complex mental models, mm -hmm. uh, look at Einstein and what others did. By doing so, you get a completely new perspective of the context in itself. Mm. We're moving from driving a car to being driven by a car. Mm -hmm. The question is, what will be next? And so once your image of the context you're in evolves, your perspective of that context evolves. If pharmaceuticals only produce medicine for people who are sick, they are now missing 50% of the market because mm. all the others sell you probiotica. So mm. if you don't go into that context on time or be the first to go there, if the food industry needs to move from food to healthy food, the context evolves. Mm. So one sets, one starts setting new standards within an industry and one sets redefining the industry. What is the industry all about? What mm. is the context in which that op industry operates? And that creates new realities. Uh, cities become smart cities. What mm. does that mean? If I have a market share in the linear economy from 30% and I redefine the economy to circular, 
is my market share still the same? So what's the point in looking each month at your market share within a given context if the context is redefined? Mm-hmm. In other words, in an answer to what's next, the important thing is to develop the skill of recognizing that context shift and yeah. being able to evaluate that context and look at and consider and stay on, I'll call it the leading edge, the tip of that wave. And maybe if you're not even exactly on the tip, to be aware that that wave is coming or is in the process of forming and to keep an eye on that and to view and and look at which waves are going to create big ripples and to then invest in those areas. Absolutely. If trade evolves to fair trade, is your market share still the same? Mm, Not if you keep using the same model, right? Your market share is going to change because the market's changed. The context has changed. So, so we get inspired by science. We get inspired by other ways of living together uh, mm. as a, in a society. And by consequence, the demands within society evolve. Industries need to evolve. Mm. And those who are first will probably be most effective. If you run a hotel, are you running bricks and square meters? Mm. Or are you helping to get people a place to sleep? What mm. is the context how do you look at your own business Mm -hmm. and do people still need a hotel or do they need a place to sleep what do they want Mm. and all these new perspectives led to new business models Mm -hmm. completely new industries thanks to the uh, science that evolved Uh, what is possible today with technology wasn't possible 30 years ago Mm -hmm. and uh, if nuclear fusion comes up I would like to paint now already the effects on the industry. I'm not able to do that. Some will probably be able to predict Mm -hmm. then what has happened. Those who have that mental model Mm -hmm. are already able to predict the consequences of all that. Mm -hmm. They will build the industries of tomorrow. And Musk is probably one of those people. Mm -hmm. I would love to hear more about that. And I wish we had more time today. We're going to need to jump into what I like to call a couch round, which is some questions I ask everybody who comes on the podcast. And then perhaps uh, when we speak for Story Tuesday, we can dig in a little bit more on, on some of those lessons and how you view Elon Musk as somebody who can really kind of paint with the paintbrushes and the colors of the future. So let's jump into our couch round. The first question is, in your experience, does growth happen in quantum leaps or small increments? Both, I would say. Both, they happen at the same time. The small ones are have a very immediate effect and by consequence can be replaced by the next small incremental uh, stage, which has a small effect. Quantum leaps appear because science has evolved. Uh, what makes sense to people has evolved and somebody suddenly addresses those long-term non-met needs. Small increments or quantum leaps In essence, it's all about different stages of complexity. Hmm. The more complex the change that needs to be made, the longer it will take. But once it's there, the effect will be longer. Hmm. You can improve your service with a small incremental change. But if somebody makes your service irrelevant tomorrow, you have a quantum leap to take. Hmm. Yeah, it reminds me, one thing that I really often say is that a quantum leap often looks like a number of small increments that were directed in a particular fashion. So one thing that I like to do is I like to say that an invention is often the use of or the development of tools 
such that the tool itself becomes so efficient, it creates something or creates access to something new. So I'll step back for a moment. The way I define a tool is anything that reduces the required input, resource input, and or increases the output, the generative output. So, you know, a classic example of that is that a bicycle requires less energy input to give you a distance output, right? And if you continue to improve on those systems or processes and, and you kind of tune that tool over and over and over again, what you get after a bunch of small increments is instead of requiring the human to provide all the input, you have a different fuel source that's providing input. Now you have an engine you're talking about, we could say a motorcycle or a vehicle, and that gives you access to something that a bicycle would never give you access to, or that would, it would be prohibitively long, a prohibitively large amount of energy and time in order to get that. And that makes not just a bicycle, but it makes a motorcycle or a car an invention, not because it is something that's just a quantum leap that came out of nowhere, but rather, you know, it was probably horses before it was cars because they were putting in the input, but not just because you've kind of tuned or made the tool better, but at some point making that tool better gives access to something or creates an opportunity that didn't previously exist. And that better can has to do with physical aspects that you changed, but can also have to do with emotional aspects that you changed that suddenly they give you an experience that is so unique. Mm. All the other experiences become irrelevant. Mm. Uh, you don't need to limit it to physical changes. 95% mm-hmm. of decisions are emotional. Mm-hmm. You can change the emotion or create a new emotion mm. that allows you to make a quantum leap. Yeah, that reminds me of one other thing I wanted to throw in there, which is that there's increasing research in psychology that shows that people who have more nuanced mental models of the world are much better able to address and meet their needs. They tend to be much more satisfied and happier with life, and they're much able, much better able to navigate relationships and work and other areas of their life. And so it's really interesting that you talk so much about these complex models and the complexity pieces. And in psychology, we see a very kind of similar, almost overlaying process. So when you're talking about people's emotions and and creating a unique experience, one of those things might be when we parse out and understand the nuance of an emotion or a set of emotions such that we can address a piece of it that's not just a whole. You're not just trying to make someone generally happy, but rather you're looking at what does happiness mean and in what context does it show up? And can you pick or address a piece of this that really drives home, that really hits home in that one specific way that's much more nuanced than just trying to create general happiness? Then what you can do is you can actually evoke or create an experience that will evoke something that is deeply experienced and that can very much contribute to these decision-making processes. I'm loving this conversation. I wish we had more time. We have to jump into our next couch question. If that's all right. Yeah, go ahead. So next, is innate talent or is skill development more important in business? I I think the one goes with the other. Nobody has to call me to do an assignment in uh, chemical uh, industry uh, in a laboratory because I don't know nothing about that. Mm -hmm. I would probably be able to lead the people there, but don't ask me any technical questions. Mm -hmm. So I get limited. I will be limited if I compare myself with people who have that knowledge developed. So knowledge is an important element to master a certain discipline. But with knowledge requires the right perspective. 
am I here to improve the system or develop the future? As mm. an example, what is the purpose of having the right knowledge if I use it for the wrong reasons? Mm. And then comes your value system. Do I like to do that role? Mm. Do I fit in within that culture? Am I here to work on the nerves of others or to contribute to their well-being in a sense? Yeah. Mm. So do I fit in? And do I have the attitude that contributes to the role? So it's a mixture of uh, knowledge, personality, value system, and mental model uh, that needs to be fitted with. makes it very complex hmm. to uh, put people in the right place. But it's better to look at all of them than only look at half of them to avoid getting into trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the things that I see a lot, uh, so I do a, some statistics work as well. That's an area that I really enjoy in psychology for myself. And one thing that I often see is that if you only put in a few pieces of a model, it doesn't really explain a lot of the variance, meaning it doesn't really predict very well, or it doesn't explain what is coming or why that's happening. Whereas if you put in more pieces, more items, more concepts into it, then you're much more likely, especially if they're the right ones, you're much more likely to be able to kind of predict or account for more of why something's happening or what will happen. Yeah, because HR is not an exact science. eh? Mm -hmm. It's not mathematics. eh? So uh, validity goes to 50, when you do interviews, 55, 60% validity. Uh, So you're still a part missing. We're trying to discover that part by better understanding why not what is the 60% all about, what is the 40% all about that we are missing. Hmm. And that is what we try to do, reduce risk and see that people can be put in a context that is their ideal context. Um, We can only try our best with the current science and reflect on what we see and uh, recognize patterns that can be useful. That's what we did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is very exciting work. Again, I wish we had more time. We're going to need to jump into our next question. What type of content have you been consuming lately? And how do you like to consume content? Whether that's for business or pleasure, you know, and what style you like? I like to look at uh, interesting books about how society will evolve, uh, paradigm shifts uh, we're confronted with. How can you go beyond belief systems to help people live and work together uh, in a more effective way? Mm-hmm. Trying to understand what will affect us as a society at the long run, try to deal with that and get an even better understanding of what makes people very effective in Mm. their role and what their ideal context is. Excellent. Next question. What is or are your non-negotiables in life and business, whether that's routines or values, time that you protect or anything else? Uh, Honesty, integrity, respect. I think that these are probably the most Important ones, we are all uh, human beings. We are who we are. My value system can only survive if I accept your value system. Mm. Who am I to say that your values are not as good as mine? Mm. So uh, I'm limited by by your limits. Mm. The opposite is as true. So mutual respect, um, treating people as equals and um, dealing with them in an honest way. I think uh, that is quite important for me. Wonderful. Thank you. And last questions, where or how can people find and connect with you and Valpio? And also what kind of outreach is welcome versus what kind of outreach might not be most welcome? Yeah, They can find me on LinkedIn. They can find me on uh, Mm valpio.com or even if they are in uh, Belgium at Accord Group uh, Belgium, this is how they can connect. These are the most effective ways probably of connecting. 
Great. And so what I'm going to have is I'm going to have links for those in the show notes so that you will all have them right at your fingertips. I want to say thank you so much, Fabian, for joining and sharing your thoughts and wisdom when it comes to leadership and the future. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you really gained a lot out of today's conversation. I know that I have. And just to provide a really brief recap, Fabian, today you shared your story of acquiring Accord Group Belgium and how you really started to kind of dig in and and look at data and how you looked at not just what in recruitment leads to success, but what might lead to failure and how to try to reduce that risk of failure. And what that led you to do is to really understand and learn about how important the leader to context alignment is and looking at their ability, leaders' abilities to deal with complexity, which includes deep drivers, how they think and feel, how they're oriented towards those things and making decisions, and even what stresses them out or what causes anxiety for them and how do they handle those things. And we talked also about how fast change really outstrips the mental models that we're able to create. And so looking at why and purpose is so important, being able to take a step back and understand what are the key and core drivers and what's the reason that we are here and that our customers are here or that our clients are here and how important it is for leadership in that to develop the skill of being able to respond to a complex environment, not just to look at the present, but to really be thinking more about the future and to be thinking not just about how do I optimize for the present, but how do I think about and create and build out the business and the infrastructure and kind of offerings for the future, for what's coming next. And that includes looking at the context continuously because it's changing with technology and with science. And there's there's so many pieces of that that are changing. And so having that ability to take that step back, to look at, and I believe the beautiful metaphor you used is to paint the future rather than just paint the forest or the trees that are in front of us, the landscape that's in front of us, how important and powerful it is to do that. And that's playing such a different role in the executive suite than the kind of day-to-day, which is what managers' roles really is. So thank you so much for all of that and more. I mean, I really am so excited about digging more and learning more on Story Tuesday. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for joining us today on The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai. If you enjoyed today's episode, take a moment to rate and review the podcast. It helps grow the show and gives more people like you the ability to learn and grow. You can also click the share button to share today's episode directly with someone you know who would enjoy it. The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai podcast artwork is made by Sam Barkadari, show notes by Yishai Barkadari, and music by www.purple-planet.com. The advice and opinions of the host and guests are our own. I'm a psychologist, but not your psychologist. The conversations and content of this podcast do not contain or create any psychology practice, diagnosis, or therapist-patient relationship with either the guest or the listener. So do your own research before using anything from this podcast. Thank you for listening. Remember, our thoughts and reactions affect our actions. By listening, we can learn from the challenges others face and the choices they make so that we can make better decisions and get better results. 